Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. In today's episode of Nakubo in Brief, we're excited to present the third of a four-part series discussing one of higher education's biggest challenges, financial modeling and the value of forecasting in the face of uncertainty. My name is Sue Mendito, and I'm Senior Director of Accounting Policy with Nakubo. In this episode, we're joined again by Larry Goldstein, President of Campus Strategies and author of the third, fourth, and recently released fifth edition of College and University Budgeting. We're also joined by the Managing Director of PFM Group and President of Scenario Software, Brett Mateo. In the first two podcasts, we spent some time talking about the value of forecasting and the difference between budgets and forecasts. And specifically, when we started getting a bit more into forecasting, we talked about the essential development of key variables for the forecast and the formulaic connection between those variables that need to tie back to the budget, and that we have to do that before we can begin our what-if scenario building. So, Brett, we're going to turn to you first to take us through what is meant by what-if scenarios how do we begin and what's it all about well well as you as you said uh, we we've gone through this and said it, it obviously the budget is is important it's a, an important process and it's a detail oriented um, a document that uh, that is the the predicate and the starting point for all of this and, and and there's one of them I might add there's there's one budget that is ultimately approved by the board of trustees and, and senior management and 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 that is the starting place for allocating resources in the short term but now we're on to kind of the 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 the, the forecast and uh, to get beyond kind of this um, this abstract language. How do you go about doing that? How do you, how do you take the budget and extend it into the future to create that forecast? And and, and the answer is, um, as we've discussed, you have to kind of create a working model of your business. You need to be able to identify those key independent variables that are linked together with formulas. Again, the forecast is very much a formulaic exercise driven by independent variables. And you have to lay out um, some set of logic that mimics the way your business works, whether it's tuition-driven or endowment-driven or um, whether or not there's a whole bunch of different capital items that are important to you. This this uh, model, if you will, this this relationship among variables and formulas should be projected as a series of integrated financial statements. So step one is identify the, the variables that matter. Uh, step two is link them together with a logic that makes sense. But step three is create integrated financial statements that look off into the future. And those integrated financial statements, once projected, are going to allow you to then define a series of metrics, metrics that will allow you to discover and understand whether or not all of your plans are affordable, whether or not your resource allocations are reasonable. 
the metrics might include, uh, you know, an operating margin in the simplest sense, or a um, a debt service coverage number, or a capitalization ratio, or a unrestricted resources to debt ratio. Whatever they are, they will subsume some sort of affordability. Um, into a couple of numbers that you'll be able to test. And so here you are with a budget as the root, a projection of logic, and you'll be able to then run a whole bunch of different scenarios through that logic. And when I say run a bunch of scenarios, what we're ultimately saying is change different sets of variables, whether they're organic variables or whether they're capital variables, meaning let's fold in a new uh, capital project. And the capital project might have revenues attendant to it or expenses, and it probably have some debt, or maybe it'll have a gift. It'll hit the balance sheet with some PP&E, and it might have some amortization that's going back to the income statement. The point is that this capital project is a different set of variables, along with changing your enrollment assumptions or your pricing assumptions or your non-personnel expense growth rates. The idea is to smartly organize portfolios of variables and test them into the future. It's it's critical that you're able to drive some view of your future, test it, save it, and then change those variables and drive a new view. So at the end of the day, the what-if analysis that you ask about, Sue, is different sets of assumptions about how the world might play out in front of us. What if demographics were to change and my enrollment were to drop? What does that mean for me? Can I change pricing enough to offset that? Does my elasticity curve work? Can I afford to cut my student-faculty ratio in the face of that drop in enrollment? Can I afford the dormitory if that enrollment were to drop? If enrollment were to increase, can I, do I have the resources, whether they be gift resources or debt resources or pay-go capital, to fund a new dorm to house those students? These kinds of questions constitute the what-ifs around your prospective future. And again, it's all rooted in today's budget, that detail-oriented uh, document called the budget. But now we're testing the bounds of what is possible in the future and running it up against a, a set of metrics to inform what really, really is uh, possible. Um, this is a necessary step. If you're simply going to um, run your organization by looking ahead one year and, and forming a budget process and testing intra-year uh, uh, as to whether or not you're meeting the budget, it's sort, of like, um, it's sort of like saying I can afford the groceries this year, so I must be good for the next 10. Well, clearly that's not the case. You have to have this perspective view, and yet you're not sure what's going to happen. So scenario planning, what-if analysis, is about testing portfolios of variables around this fundamental notion that you don't know what's going to happen, but you don't want to walk into the future with your hand over your eyes. You want to have previously, in advance of that, in consideration of all those possible changes, tested what might be the impact, and then maybe even develop some plans around solving for that. Now, I would say that um, for most institutions, that's a little bit of a daunting exercise. In my experience, almost everybody tries to do that in Excel spreadsheets. And um, for all the glory that are these spreadsheets, the flexibility, et cetera, et cetera, there's a lot of risk around that, especially if you're trying to do sophisticated modeling of your operations and all these capital plans, et cetera, et cetera, into the future. It's a daunting task. For some institutions, um, you don't need tremendously sophisticated planning. And the, and the spreadsheets are probably sufficient. 
they might introduce some risk, but you can probably live with it. But for some, it gets overwhelming. The number of scenarios, the different um, permutations of variables into the future becomes overwhelming in a spreadsheet environment. And you find yourself wrangling version 125 of the spreadsheet versus version 625 of the spreadsheet. It's it's just an overwhelming um, degree of complexity. Um, my company offers software designed specifically for this purpose. Uh, it's called Scenario, and it's designed to help you manage this complexity, these many, many different competing sets of variables and do comparative analysis across those. So it depends on who you are. Um, will a spreadsheet suffice? Yes, it, it, it can suffice if you don't need tremendous sophistication. For some other set of um, institutions out there, budgeting software, allows for relatively simple projection of some of the line items into the future. For some, that simple projection might be good enough. But when we get down to scenario analysis, meaning that there are many, many variables and there's many permutations of those many variables, then you might need a more sophisticated tool. And that's what scenario is all about. Um, but whether you use a, a, you know, a, a kind of a, a Ferrari uh, projection model or you're using a relatively simple spreadsheet model. The point is, all of this is about enabling a dialogue with your senior leadership, with your board of trustees. All of this scenario analysis folds back into the budget that we talked about in the first two podcasts. It goes back to the planning exercise that Larry was talking about before. Um, all of this scenario analysis is about a, a, a view of the future and what might be achievable but remember, the root of all that is back in the budget and the planning process. And so we have to get back there after we've done all this analysis, after we've evaluated all the affordability, after we've made these financial statement projections, we fold all the way back to the beginning and then start questioning, do we have the right set of initiatives and assumptions in the first place? Larry? Thanks, Brett. And and I think that's, that's exactly where I'd like to pick up is this idea. When it's done properly, involves the key players who are going to be impacted and influence the paths that you take through scenario planning, then you have to make some decisions. And so, you know, whether we're talking about enrollment considerations, whether we're talking about fundraising considerations or research uh, funding success, whatever, whatever it is, we're looking at a variety of variables in, in, in modeling, financial modeling. We're looking at a variety of variables and we're making a judgment about what we think the most likely or the most desirable or the most aggressive, depending upon the culture of the institution, which one are we going to build and bring forward. And so we've considered a, a, range, a full range of possibilities. We've identified the various variables. We've, we've, uh, as Brett was describing, we've, we've done analysis. We've actually measured, you know, what will our, what will our financial statements look like three years from now, five years from now, if we go down this path with this set of variables under these assumptions versus another set. And so if I'm in a situation where I'm a board member or I'm the uh, more specifically the finance and budget committee of the board, I want to understand what some of that analysis was, where it came from. As, as Brett said, how does it tie to the values we've identified for our institution? How does it tie for the plans that we've set, the strategic initiatives, the, the, the vision? that's out there for the institution. Does this support that? Does it stretch us? Is it very comfortable? Maybe it's too comfortable. Maybe the board feels that you need to go a little further. And the whole idea with this is we have these, these multi-dependent processes, interdependent processes, 
that guide and influence each other and drive the institution either towards success or somewhere else. And so what we're talking about in these podcasts is what are the tools, what are the processes that you can employ to help enhance the likelihood of success? And so this this idea of relying on a sophisticated tool like Scenario to guide you in this process, to enable you to do these things is critically important. One of the, one of the things that Brett didn't say, but I'll say is for a smaller, less sophisticated institution with relatively fewer variables, you may be able to rely on spreadsheets. Um, Excel may do just what you need. The thing I worry about, and I work with a lot of smaller institutions, the thing I worry about is what happens when you run out of your capacity to analyze using just those tools? Do you start skipping over things that could have dramatic implications for how it works or doesn't work when it comes to actually realizing your budget? So the whole concept that we're trying to promote here is this idea that you use the forecasting to allow you to choose among variables, among various scenarios, and come back to the idea of this is what we are most confident in in recommending, and then being able to articulate that to the board. And that's that's really what this, this series is about, is getting you to a point of comfort and considering what tool would best suit your purposes. Are you small? Can a lack of sophistication, and I don't, I don't mean that as a, a value judgment, it's just a reality. Do we have few enough variables that we can get by with a relatively straightforward approach using Excel? Or do we need something more sophisticated, even if it's built in Excel? Or do we need to go, um, I, I forget whether, which, which, uh, which analogy you used, but whether it was the Ferrari or something along those lines. But, that, but that's really what this is about, is this whole range of approaches and tools that can support that. Yeah, and I, I would, you know, at the risk of uh, offering yet another tortured analogy, I, I kind of think of all this as uh, standing on the beach and looking out towards the horizon. And if all you're doing is budgeting, you, you never get beyond the water's edge. Forecasting is about getting in a boat of some shape and size and going off over the horizon and, and finding out what's out there. Uh, the important part of that, as we just discussed, is after you got over the horizon, it's important to come back and report to the beach what you found because uh, it might change the direction you want to go. And as to the tools, um, you know, sometimes it's a nice flat, calm sea and all you need is a little rowboat. And sometimes the waves are pretty big and you might need something with a little bit more power. Those choices obviously uh, kind of depend on what you can afford and, and your resources around staff and time. But if the waves are big, you, you might need a little bit of power around this forecasting idea. If, if, if this podcast about is about lending advice in some form or fashion, don't just stand on the beach. It's important that you get out there and look over the horizon. And then the second part is get the right size boat to get out over the horizon. And then the third part is after you get over the horizon, come back and start the process over again. So before we wrap up, if, if we're thinking of maybe a small institution, not incredibly sophisticated, can you provide a narrow example? One thing, let's pick enrollment or, or price point. How far into the future do you go? And provide an example so that when we get to the fourth podcast, we can kind of look back at campus experiences and, and, and use it You ask a really good question. How far into the future do you go? So I have some personal biases about this. I, I don't think any of us are very good at predicting the future. And we have too many factors that influence politically, business, globally, etc., to be able 
to do this with a high degree of accuracy. That's why I referred to this idea of there, there are ranges and there's flavors. So if I were a smaller institution, I would want to be looking minimally two years out in some level of detail and then projecting five years out. I think if, you, if you're a more sophisticated institution, you have access to a resource-like scenario, then clearly five years does not have to limit you because you can make projections that go much longer with respect to debt capacity, with respect to capital plans and those types of things. But if you're a smaller, less sophisticated institution, you're going to make some – you, you of necessity have to make some projections. You see what's happening throughout the market and what's happening to enrollment. So look at what you think you can influence or control over the next two years but have some attempt to look out as much as five years. And when you do this, and this is part of scenario analysis, of course, you do this and say, what level of contingency do we need based on the possibility that we may really miss hit uh, this forecast. We, we may be off by a significant factor. And if I'm a smaller institution with even moderately high tuition and I lose 10 students, that has dramatic impact on my budget. I've got to be able to take it back. So I, I think just as a rule of thumb, you want to be as specific as you can for up to two years, but then look an additional three years, even if you're a smaller institution. That's where I would peg it, Sue. Thank you, Larry. We're out of time for number three of four here. And I'd like to thank both of you, Larry and Brett, for your thoughts today. I'm looking forward to our final episode where we discuss a bit further specific examples with campuses and perhaps uh, some of the use of tools that, that you're seeing on the ground today. Mm-hmm.